Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. It's the weapon Jesus used to destroy Satan in his temptation in the wilderness. Why do we teach the word verse by verse in Calvary Chapel? Because it's the power of God unto salvation and it's the word that will change your life. It will take your marriage and renew it. It will take that runaway son as you continue to pray and bring he or she back to you. If they'll open their heart, it will do miracles because it's powerful. As you'll hear Pastor Mark say in today's teaching, the fear that we should have for God is not a fear of Him, but a fear of failing Him. When we understand the magnitude of who He is, it's easy to see who's in charge from each breath we take to occurrences across the globe. The Lord knows every last detail of our lives. Because of that, we should be committed to living our lives in obedience to Him. That fear also provides comfort to Christ followers Because there's nothing greater than God. Nothing should scare us when we have the knowledge of the truth. Not man, not powers or principalities. So take refuge within the fear of the Lord. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Revelation chapter 1 verse 13 for our continuing study entitled, A Brand New View. So it has to come to us, it has to shine. When you jog tomorrow morning, you're on your street, when you go to work, and when you're sitting next to that person at the office who doesn't know Jesus Christ, think about it. Without the light, they're going to hell. There is a place called hell. You'll see tonight that Jesus has the keys to it. It's real. And unless we care, they'll just keep going. So we have a vision of what the church is supposed to do. The church is to be a light to a community. You guys are doing awesome. Many of you are inviting friends and people are coming to the Lord. And I'm sure I'm praying that that's happening in your other churches. It's it's doing great. But notice something very important. These are lamp stands with an oil lamp. Now what is the oil representative of? The Holy Spirit. If there's no oil in the lamp stand, there is no light. If you're operating tonight in the flesh, you go into work tomorrow and say, well, my pastor said i got to give you this table of revelation and we don't want you to go to hell. That is operating in the flesh. That's not true love. True love begins to pray for them before you ever say a word. True love is a friend to them. True love means caring enough to see when they'll ask a question and say, hey, i got an answer for you. You know what? I was like you once. I was searching... I couldn't find life. I didn't know the right way, but somebody introduced me to a person called Jesus Christ. That's the light. That's the oil. You know, one of the saddest things about visiting Europe is this. If any of you have been there, you've you've experienced the very same thing I have. You go into Europe and there's these awesome buildings, these awesome lampstands, incredible churches, dead. Nobody going In England, less than 3% of people go to church. 
awesome buildings, nobody there. See, guys, it doesn't matter to us tonight how fancy the church is. We're not into that. What happens is what's alive in the church, and you guys are doing great. You're here. You're making a statement to a town. People are driving by and saying again, what's happening here? But what's happening here is not Calvary Chapel. It's Jesus Christ. It's the light of the world that's happening here. And that's what we want them to see. God help us to shine. Jesus shine. Now verse 13. Back to Revelation. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. Now we're going to get a, an interesting vision of Jesus Christ tonight. You may have a picture at home of what you think Jesus is like. It's interesting, he comes from Israel, and we see him with blonde hair and blue eyes and light skin. I don't think so. Don't take your picture down, that's perfectly fine. But we don't have in the Bible, really any real pictures of what he's like. This is an awesome representation, but it's not somebody that John has ever seen before. It's been years since John saw Jesus. But he's going to get a new vision tonight. And I hope, as we go through this, that you'll get a new vision of what this God is really like. Now, notice he uses the Son of Man. This is a title that Jesus used over and over and over again. In fact, 81 times in the Gospel, Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man. Well, what does that really mean? It's implied deity. In other words, first of all, the Son of Man means that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Son is equal to the picture of his deity. He's what? He's God's Son. Man is a picture of his humanity. Jesus was a man. He came to this earth from heaven. He identified with us. He showed us what God was like. That was his role. And he provided also a way for sinful man to be reconciled to God. Now you say, well, why is it important that, that Jesus uses this term here? Because of this today. And when later on, I have a great article that came in. I'm not sure when I'll use it, but there was a... And I don't even remember what night it was, but Larry King Live had, had a, an Episcopal, Robert Schuller and a Mormon, the head of the Mormon church, and he had an interesting program. I'm going to use a, a lot of that truth there. Larry King's 98th wife or whatever is a Mormon now. <laughs> Wait till you see the comments. As I told you before, we love Mormons, we love Jehovah's Witnesses. They are not born-again believers. Why? Because of this. They don't believe in the same God we do. So why is this important? Because of this. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe even, or the Mormons, that Jesus was really or ever claimed to be God. Wake up! Smell the coffee. Why was Jesus crucified? Because he claimed to be who? God. That's why he was crucified. So this is a very important statement. Now, just write this down. We won't take time to go there tonight. But Daniel 7, 13 and Daniel 7, 14. We've heard this before. Here's the expression when we went through the book of Daniel. Daniel 7, 13 says this. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into His presence. And He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. And all peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. You see, there's a day coming, guys, when the kingdom of God will be everlasting. Jesus will come. He'll establish it. We'll study that as we go through the book of Revelation. 
then one day we're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be awesome. God's rule is going to be forever. He's that ancient of days. But till then, what's happening? We go through trials. We go through tribulation. And this verse gives us a great principle of wonderful hope. Now, why does it say that? Because notice this. Verse 13 again. Look what it says. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Is that important to you tonight? What does that signify? Now, who are the lampstands? Let's, let's talk about it. It's a what? It's a church. And who is a church made up of? People. So, if this Son of Man, who is Jesus, is, a, is among the church, what does that mean tonight as we're here? Is Jesus here? Sure He's here. Now, when you leave tomorrow and, and you're the church and you go off to work, is Jesus with you? Does that give you any hope? Praise God. I mean, you have the Son of God living in you. He's with you. I mean, how, how can you say, having a bad day? Jesus is with you. The Scripture says where two or three are gathered together. You think we have that tonight? Kind of over here we have it. In the first row we have it. Sure, He's with us tonight. Now, He's there. Why is He here? Why is He saying this? He's saying this to a suffering church that goes, where's God? And He's with you. He, John's going to write these letters. He's going to say to the churches, He is here. His presence is here. His power is here. His grace here. His teachings here. Now notice, he's dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but we'll go through this quickly. What, what does that mean? Well, this picture of Jesus, the robe equals his priestly role. His priestly role. We see this garment in the Old Testament of the high priest. This golden sash around his chest completes that picture. Now what is the role of a priest? Well, the role of a priest was to do two things. Number one, to represent God to man. And secondly, to represent man to God. That's Jesus Christ. He was our high priest. And that's why we do not need to go to a man anymore for our sins to be forgiven. Because once we have this high priest living within us, he now is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So you don't need to come to me and ask, well, would you ask God to forgive me my sins? No, I don't need to do that. The book of Hebrews tells us there's a better way now. You just go directly into the access of God. Through who? Our high priest. And that's the picture of Jesus. Now this golden sash, as I said, already represents basically that faithfulness of God. Jesus was a perfect high priest, which also means later you're going to see that he's going to judge perfectly. His head and his hair were white like wool. As white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Now remember, John has seen this. Hard to describe. White, the whiteness of hair represents God again, depicted as the Ancient of Days. That You can just write by that little verse there, Daniel 7, 9, if you want to study that this week. I try not to go into all of that because of time. There's the deed of God again. And what it's saying is the Ancient of Days, God and Jesus Christ, are the same, the trio, the trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. His eyes are like blazing fire. That can be interpreted, his eyes blaze out fire. Now what does that mean? There is nothing hidden from God's eyes. The Bible says as we hear, as we sit here in our lives, there is absolutely nothing hidden from his eyes. Now, John saw these eyes of compassion over and over again when Jesus was here on this earth. God's role, Jesus' role, he'd rather have eyes of compassion tonight. He has those for you and for me. 
When the woman that was in adultery was brought to Jesus, what kind of eyes do you think Jesus had? What did the Jewish ruler's eyes look like? Stoner, man. Get rid of her. Jesus said, no. You guys, without sin, whoever has without sin, you had to throw the first rock. Goodbye. Eyes of compassion. What do you think kind of eyes Jesus had when Peter went under the water? When he tried to walk in water, he went out. What kind of eyes do you think Jesus had? Ah, oh, Peter, man. Burning fire eyes. No, what? Compassion. At least he what? Tried. What kind of eyes would you like God to have for you tonight? I'll take compassion myself. I'll take grace. But there's coming a day when his eyes will not be filled with compassion. You see, fire means cleansing. It's coming a day when he comes back and everything that sins is going to be burned up. By the way, do you know what? Those eyes are going to judge you and I. 1 Corinthians 3 says we'll stand before God as Christians. And everything that we did with the wrong motive. If you're here for the wrong motive, if I'm teaching for the wrong motive, wood, hay, stubble. <laughs> nothing left. You say, well, how can that be? It's because nothing is hidden from God. If you're here tonight and you're playing games with God, it's not like you can go home, close the door, turn the lights off, and you fool God. His eyes of fire see you. And it's better to come to Him now when there are eyes of compassion than see those eyes later that will say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me. That's the eyes we're talking about tonight. Those eyes that will one day say, you've rejected my offer of salvation. Verse 15. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Now, bronze feet is another picture of the judgment of sin. Whenever you see bronze, it's brass or bronze, it speaks of judgment. That's the old brazen altar in the Old Testament. You remember when we did the book of Leviticus. God hates sin. And so what you're seeing there tonight is that one day, see, when Jesus came the first time, he came as the wonderful Savior. He came to deal with sin in a loving way from the cross. When he comes the next time, he's coming as judge. And that's what that shows. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. The seven stars, remember in verse 20, we already went through that, they're messengers. Now some people believe they're literally angels, as the book of Daniel, that they were angels watching over the seven churches. Many other people, myself included, I personally believe this, that these are the pastors or the elders of these seven churches. And if that's true, it's a representation tonight of a pastor or elder teacher being held where? In the right hand of God. I'll take it any day. What does that mean? I'm being held tonight in God's hand. That right hand means power, control, and honor. You know, you know I'm just a man. You know that any pastor is just a man. But when I read that and I studied that this week, that really encouraged me. That means that when I'm studying, when I'm presenting the Word of God, if I, if I flow in the Spirit and if I allow God to use me, He has me right here in His hand. Praise God. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret over what I'm teaching. I just follow the Word of God. And He's there. He's right there holding me. He's encouraging me. I need encouragement. I'm a guy. I don't have any wisdom for you. But God has it for you. I just want to be that instrument. You pray for me. You pray for your pastor. 
And we'll just be instruments of God. Now notice also, out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. What a vision this must have been. Well, we know where that comes from, Hebrews 4.12. Double-edged. Why is it double-edged? It means this. For those who believe, one edge of that sword is grace and salvation. For those who do not believe, the other edge of the sword is destruction and damnation. The powerful word of God. It's the weapon that eventually will destroy Satan. It's the weapon Jesus used to destroy Satan in his temptation in the wilderness. Why do we teach the word verse by verse in Calvary Chapel? Because it's the power of God unto salvation and it's the word that will change your life. It will take your marriage and renew it. It will take that runaway son as you continue to pray and bring he or she back to you. If they'll open their heart, it will do miracles because it's powerful. Shining as a sun. His face was like the sun shining in all brilliance. What is this? Well, this is something that we can't really understand. But remember what revelation is. It's what? An unveiling of who Jesus is. So we see tonight, John, maybe he had a glimpse of this on the Mount of Transfiguration, but he sees tonight a face that was sh- uh, like the sun shining in all of his brilliance. Have you ever tried to just take your eyes and look at the sun full on? Unbelievable. This is Jesus. Now what does that mean to us? It means this. This Jesus Christ was not the baby in Bethlehem. This Jesus Christ was not the man of sorrows, crowned with thorns. This is Jesus Christ in all his glory. This is the unveiling of who Jesus really is. This is a picture of us tonight, who he is. Now, some people really don't get it. You know, when you see Jesus, you know how people talk about Jesus today? Hey, he's my good buddy. He's the man in the sky. How's it going up there, dude? Everything fine? I don't think that's what John's seeing here. And in fact, in the next verse, you're going to see what John happens. What happens to John? Look at verse 17. And when I saw him, what did he do? Say, hi, dude. No. He did what? He fell as his feet as dead. Then he placed his right hand in me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. John was overwhelmed. You and I would be. He lies in silence, stillness, surrendered as a dead man. But notice what happens. As he's fallen face down in front of God. What happens? This. God doesn't leave him there. He puts out his what? His right hand. And he says what? Do not be afraid. Why would he say do not be afraid to John? Because John is what? Afraid out of his mind is what he is. Would you and I be? Oh no, I've seen something like that before. Don't even think it. If you do, move to the other side, please. Not a chance. This is God in his holiness. This is the great I am. And John just goes, boom, it's over. Jesus reaches down and he says, don't be afraid. Aren't you glad for the touch of God tonight, man? Some of you are fearful tonight. Why? You know, we're fearful of the wrong things. Some of us are fearful of heights. I don't like heights. If I make this sound, some of you think of a dentist immediately and, It's just chills. But the scripture says this. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. 
Now, the fear that we should have for God tonight is not a fear of Him, but it's a fear of failing Him. You see, He's an awesome God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That goes back to our atheist joke tonight. You see, if you're truly wise, you feel God, you have a reverential fear for Him, you understand He's the creator of the universe, He's the person of all wisdom and power. I heard somebody make a statement, I think it was Greg Laurie, I love it, listen to this. If we will truly fear God, there is no reason to fear anything else. If we'll truly fear God, there is no reason to fear anything else. If you're fear tonight, maybe you're in a fear of death. That's one big fear that many people have. Well, Jesus, in our last couple of verses, identifies it. Look at this. He says, I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. He says, John, it's okay. I'm the living one. You saw me after death because I live. John, you're going to live also. John, you saw me in my new body. Look at it now. It's glorified. It's awesome. The body is perfect. I'll be living forever, John, and so will you. Then he says, I have the keys of death and Hades. We'll talk about that later, Hades. But you know, in Revelation 20, we'll see death and Hades thrown into the lake of fire, which simply means this. The Christ that John was seeing was the one who decides who lives, who dies, and when. I can have no fear tonight. Well, as a Christian, we ought to have a big sticker on our forehead. No fear. You know, you put that on with your little light, too, and you just, people think, man, you're really weird. No fear tonight. Why? Because he holds the keys to what? Death and hell and Hades. And I'm in his hand. He's amongst us. He's here tonight. No fear. Then lastly, and this is the key, and we end with this. This is the key to the book of Revelation. There isn't really any other book in the Bible that gives you an outline of the book. It's this. Right, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. So what that means is this. He says to John, write what you have seen, which is what we have just finished this week, chapter 1. It's the past. Then, John, I want you to write what is now, what is present for them. And that's chapters 2 or 3. has to do with the church. We'll see those, the condition of the seven churches. We go through those in the next few weeks. And then, when we get to chapter 4, all the way to chapter 22, this is what will take place later. This is the future. This is the things that are going to take place later. Well, what are those things? Rapture, church, tribulation, second coming, millennial kingdom, new heavens, new earth, all of those things that we talked about. So the bottom line here for John, and we've already covered verse 20, was this. Here's the bottom line for you and for me tonight. The bottom line is this. The picture that we saw of Jesus means this, that Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is in charge of our past and our present and our future. He's in charge of your past and your present and your future. All things work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And He's working in your life. He's right in the middle of your life. Don't believe that He's not there, because He is. He's smack dab in the middle of your life. And everybody said, Amen, and you got it. When John saw someone like a son of man, he was afraid. Rightly so, as his description was intimidating. He assured John, telling him not to be afraid, the same way he wants to comfort us. As Pastor Mark emphasized, when we truly fear God, there is no reason to fear anything else. God is completely in charge of the past, present, 
and future. What we should be afraid of is a life without knowing Him. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll hear what Scripture has to say about the purpose of the church. In Chapter 2 of Revelation, seven churches are addressed and given a rundown of what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. Pastor Mark will look at each one and ask us to consider how we're doing in each of those areas. He knows all we do. We can't hide anything, so we should be honest with God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Revelation. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 